All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers, presented by Dash Radio. Thank you guys for coming to hang out two nights in a row with us here on a Wednesday. I know that was an extremely frustrating loss, and I know how many of you are probably feeling right now. However, Memphis is a really, really good team, and we were severely undermanned. It was There's a reason Memphis was favored by six in Vegas. It was a tough loss. We're going to dig into it. First of all, Raj, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing all right. That was a tough one, for sure. All those, you know, caveats are true. Um, still tough to blow a 14-point lead late in the third, but I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, you know, I, I can't, coming into this game, I, I predicted that Memphis would win by 15. And the reason why is just as the Lakers are currently constructed, it's a bad matchup for them. Memphis is very big and strong at every position they come at you with an onslaught of strength. They're not the most skilled team in the world. They are heavily dependent mm-hmm. on shot making from the perimeter from guys like Jaw and, and, uh, and Desmond Bain. However, they can physically overpower you over the course of a game. And if you don't bring it with your effort and intensity in all of those areas of the game, all those physicality areas of the game, you'll get beat. And that's why they're 22 and 14. And that's why they have a bunch of really impressive wins this year. I think I saw a stat today that they've, they're the only team in the league that's won on the road against the three top teams in the West, I think was the stat that I read. That's, that's really impressive. This is a good basketball team. And what you saw tonight was an absolute masterclass from LeBron James and some timely shot making from some guys that aren't usually great shooters. And a couple of guys from the Lakers go really cold and it just not being enough. It wasn't enough. But at the end of the day, like when you're going to the bench and LeBron's taking a rest at the end of the third quarter and Carmelo Anthony is playing center, that's, I I don't know how you compete with a team like Memphis with Carmelo Anthony at center. It's just, uh, now we can get into that and how frustrating it is that that's the direction we went and obviously, I, I would hope that they make the adjustment. But at the end of the day, it's like their only other adjustment is to, you know, play Dwight or somebody there. But it, it, like it just this is it's hard to win games against good teams in the NBA when you're at full strength. We literally watched the Lakers go into Memphis, what, two weeks ago? I think it was just about two weeks ago and uh, and get beat. And even though they were playing good basketball at the time. And that's just what happens when you go on the road to play a good team. So I know. We're going to dive into all the reasons why, and I know that it's frustrating, but I would just ask everybody to kind of contextualize this by saying and understanding that this is a game they were supposed to lose. Memphis is really good. There was some good process tonight, but when Memphis hit the gas during the stretches when LeBron was off the floor, there just wasn't anything we could do. Yeah, I mean, all that's true, and I I agree with that, I guess, in a sense. John Morant went six for seven from three. I thought a lot of those were, like, good defense. You know you know what I mean? Like, the ball moves around, and the guy you want to shoot is John Morant, and he hit a bunch of them. Uh, I think he hit his first six threes, um, missed his last one, including, like, a last-second, you know, heave at the end of the quarter. To me, though, this game was lost at the end of the third. Like, you do enough to win. They did enough to win this game, in my opinion, and you lose a game that LeBron hits 8 of 14 from three. Like, that's just really tough. All that stuff is true. Memphis is a really damn good team they were you know winning even without John Morant they get their superstar back right and he was just incredible tonight he was up for the moment obviously even when they went down but that's just tough to me to lose the game I be I believe in like a short two minute span uh which you know they went with Melo at the five again which we've talked about a lot at nauseum that you know that's probably that's not sustainable against bad teams 
against teams like the Houston Rockets, let alone a team like Memphis. I would have loved seeing Dwight Howard. I thought Dwight was good tonight, like in his minutes. Um, he finished, I believe, a plus 17 in a game that we lose by six, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Malik Monk as well, plus 12. Give him credit. But yeah, man, that that's really rough for me to to kind of except Memphis was shooting like 8% as well from three. And I thought our defense was part of that as well. They also missed some open shots. Some balls didn't bounce our way, right? A couple of like offensive rebounds went to Desmond Bain. He hit threes. But yeah, man, those mellow at the five lineups, it would have just been so nice to have one of Ariza or Reeves healthy tonight. Either one, and you probably cut Carmelo Anthony's uh, minutes down from 30 minutes is just too much for Carmelo. And it's not his fault. He's an older guy. That's just unfair to him to throw him out there for that many minutes. Russell Westbrook, again, the missed layup is going to get plastered everywhere, which kind of sucks because I thought he was actually good tonight. We can kind of get into it. Ooh, yeah, I, I disagree. That'll be perfect. Oh, okay, nice. All right. Yeah, we'll get into that later. But honestly, like to me, would you agree, though, that this game was lost in the last, you know, three minutes of the third? Because that was incredibly frustrating. And I thought that was something I saw a mile away. They took LeBron out, put Melo in. And again, Stanley Johnson in those lineups makes it a little bit better, but he's still on the perimeter. And it was just a layup line to the rim, man. John Morant was hunting Russell Westbrook, which was kind of strange. And I thought Westbrook, again, did a nice job on him in his last few possessions. But that third quarter, man, they just got going, got to the basket. And then Jaw hits that three late. Russ took a bad shot there. I thought he played well tonight, but that was just a bad decision. Uh, Should have just let the shot clock go down. You get you end the third quarter up eight. Instead, you know, he takes this weird fadeaway jumper and it's, you know, five seconds for John Morant. Darren Collison as well still looked like he was moving two speeds slower than John Morant was going, uh, let alone what the game was going. Um, and he couldn't stand for him. He hit the three. But would you agree with that? that the game was kind of ended in the third quarter because I could just see LeBron right when he checked in the fourth again to start that fourth quarter. You could just tell. I thought he was exhausted. Um, and you could just tell, like, man, I, I did all that and I have to re regain this. Right. Once. Once Tyus Jones hit that floater to put them up one, I honestly thought Memphis was going to take take this one. But I thought this was decided in the end of the third. You know, there are two different kinds of runs that happen in a basketball game. There's runs that are part of the normal ebb and flow of effort. When you, sure. play, for, when you play for 48 minutes, it's extremely rare for one team to be the aggressor the entire game. Usually there are these little two, three-minute stretches where – you get a couple stops, you make a couple shots and the complexion of the game changes. That's normal. But then there's like runs that are kind of an error of process too. You know what I mean? And that's what the end of the third quarter was. That was a run that could have been avoided. And this is something that I talked about a lot coming into this game. Dwight Howard is a quality backup NBA center. There's no reason to play him with LeBron, who is your only other center on the roster, only other functional center. And then to have stretches of the game where neither of them are on the floor, especially against a team that's as physically imposing as Memphis. So that run to end the third was straight up a coaching error, in my opinion. It was an error of strategy that led to a run. Memphis had too many runs in this game. L.A. responded to most of them, but it ended up being one too many. One too many runs that was too much for them to overcome. And it's just, uh, you know, like... At the end of the day, you have to control what you can control. There are some personnel things on this team that are outside of our control. I expect a certain amount of, of shortcomings on any given night based on our roster shortcomings right now. Even LeBron. Like LeBron, there was a big play at the end of that game where John missed two free throws and he got beat under the basket on a box out by Steven Adams. But like Steven Adams outweighs LeBron by like 40 pounds. So... The truth of the matter is, is 
that's a tough matchup for LeBron. That's in that in an ideal situation. That's Anthony Davis trying to box him out there, right? So the point the the point is is like some of this we can expect, but when you willingly play Carmelo Anthony at center to end the end the third, that's self sabotage. When you willingly go into crunch time with THT on the floor and Melo, who can't make a shot to save his life, this is a whole other topic. But Melo's been playing bad basketball for the better part of a month now. Last yeah. night, total outlier. Melo's been massively regressing defensively, and he's not making shots anymore. Tweeted out this recent stretch of game, he's below 30% from three. So a lot of that has to do with the personnel situation and guys having to do more. But you didn't have to play Melo there. That could have been Stanley. You didn't have to play THT there with the closers. That could have been Avery Bradley. That You know, you didn't have to play Melo at center. And the third, that could have been Dwight. So if we're going to have our best opportunity to get wins over the course of this next you know, month or so without Anthony Davis, we have to at least get ourselves in a position where we're at the best possible version of what we're putting out on the floor. And when we're deliberately undercutting ourselves with some poor decision-making, it's going to be a lot of nights like this. The should have been kind of nights, kind of like Chicago, kind of like tonight games where the efforts there. You know, you get just otherworldly performance out of LeBron, and it's just not enough. And that's extremely frustrating. Yeah, and to be fair to Fizz, like, this is definitely, like, nitpicking. Like, I think he actually coached a really good game tonight other than those minutes. But it's just tough, man, because we started Dwight Howard tonight in, you know, in place just to win those Steven Adams minutes, right, to win the box-out minutes where LeBron wouldn't have to be that guy. And I would have loved to see Dwight kind of mirror, I guess, Adams' minutes, even especially a night where he's playing – well, I think he had four fouls, um, picked up a lot of them on Ja Morant as well when Ja tried to get it going. But I thought he was just really good. He was he had his verticality going, uh, moving his feet as well. That's my only, I guess, nitpick because it, it was just really tough to survive, especially when Carmelo, you talked about him shooting under 30% recently. Like To me, like again, we're playing him just a shit ton of minutes right now. We don't have another forward. Maybe Stanley Johnson can play more than 22 minutes. I would have loved to flip that. I would have loved to have Stanley Johnson play 30 minutes um, and then Carmelo play around 22, especially if you can kind of go as the game is going, the flow of the game, right? Carmelo just didn't have his shot going. And I said tonight and other nights where if Carmelo's not, you know, Inferno, which he's been for a lot of games, he's, he's saved the Lakers for a lot of games this season to give him credit. But if he's not Inferno, then, you know, those Carmelo at the five lineups are just really tough to survive. And that, that was a struggle uh, for this night and nights going forward until hopefully a Reeves, Reeves gets back the next night. I think he's he uh, exited COVID protocols as well, Baysmore as well. But just to get them to having one of a Reeves or a Reza tonight would have been great just to limit those minutes. But, yeah, man, I thought that's where this game was lost. Memphis is a damn good team. Like, this is not something, you know, to go cry about. Like, Memphis is a great team. They're playing at home. You talked about the wins that they have on this season. But this game was there for the taking. Even with John Morant, you know, as hot as he was, with LeBron playing at, you know, best player in the world level, 37 minutes tonight on a back-to-back, 8 of 14 from three. Like, you just don't want to... I wouldn't say waste, but I mean, you're getting that kind of reduction from your best player. Russell Westbrook, again, we disagree on, you know, how he played tonight. I thought he played pretty well, but I mean, the numbers are what they were, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. Like you get that production as well. Um, Five turnovers, uh, which, you know, still probably a little higher than you want. Uh, But still, like I thought he played enough uh, to where you could win. It's just those minutes, man. You build that 14 point lead. You want some kind of cushion. And with LeBron coming back and LeBron came back and the game was, I think it was a three point game or something. And then uh, they had two, one floater by John Morant, one floater by Tyus Jones. 
And to me, the game was over there. I didn't think we could, you know, re re get that like control, especially with the crowd into it. And uh, Memphis is just a solid team. Their physicality took over as well um, late in that game. Desmond Bain, all those guys really defend at a super high level. But yeah, that's that's why it's so frustrating tonight, man, because I thought this was a winnable game. We're in win collection mode right here where, like, if you have a chance, like, if this game was over by the third, like, I would understand. But this is a winnable game, man. Like, all those caveats about Memphis, you know, being a really good team are true. But this was this was a game for a taking that you lost, and you can't do that as a team that's, you know, game two games over 500 now. I agree with you. And I see a lot of people talking about wasted LeBron James performances. And I tend to go the other way with that. Um, as long as he doesn't get hurt, which is obviously a, a risk when you have him taking on this kind of workload, as long as he doesn't get hurt, I tend to go LeBron looking this great is absolutely good news. And there's sure. no other way to interpret it because as we know, the number one base formula for bigger team, being able to compete with the Phoenixes and the Golden States and the Brooklyn's and the Milwaukee's of the world is for LeBron and Anthony Davis to be top five players. And right now, LeBron looks every bit as good as anybody else that's in the league right now. And Anthony Davis has not been that guy, but right now he has some time to step away from the game, to get right physically, to figure out whatever that is and try to get back to that level. So I know it's extremely frustrating. These performances feel wasted. But at the end of the day, the way I look at it is this is LeBron learning to play a new style of offense with this group, a different style of offense that he's played than he's played in the last couple of years. And as long as he stays healthy, so as long as he's listening to his bodies and make body and making the right decisions on that front, I look at it as nothing but good news. But I wanted to move on to Russ. Mm-hmm. So you and I got into a conversation at the end of the pod yesterday talking about Russ and you know his press conference recently where he seemed to be focused on the wrong things. And it was frustrating for me hearing that press conference, because my number one concern with Russ is, is for him to understand that the most important thing he could do for this team is not sabotage them. That's the most important thing he could do. And as long as he understands where he fits in the picture of this team when it's healthy and can control his ugliest urges, then that makes me feel optimistic because he does bring a lot of good to the table. To me, he's a textbook, good play, bad play kind of guy. And you, in theory, over the course of the meat and potatoes of a season, you just want more good plays than bad plays. Then then you could say, okay, net positive. But when we're in crunch time, when we're in these big moments, when you're playing good teams in late game situations, every bad play is catastrophic. And for him to have made the mistake he made the other night, trying to turn over that dunk against Brooklyn and smoking it off the front of the rim, and then to come into tonight's game, In a critical possession, LeBron just hit a massive three at the top of the key to get you back to 197, or to get you back within three. I don't remember what the score was, but they were back within three. And then you get a stop, and you're running out in transition, and he tried to turn over a transition layup attempt into a dunk again? Are you kidding me? Like, that is him telling me he is incapable of learning his lesson. Like, how is it that after that massive stage on Christmas day, when you made the exact same mistake, you didn't learn your lesson. He literally turned that over like he was going to dunk it. And then at the last second realized he wasn't high enough and tried to go back and finger roll it. That is an inexcusable mistake. And you know, our friend Jason Maples, he tweeted out right after the game. He's like, yeah, you got to get off of Russell Westbrook. 
you can't beat the good teams with this guy. Now, I'm not there yet. Me either. Mm-mm. But there is an absolute truth to the fact that if he can't control himself in late-game situations with his decision-making, it will get this team beat. Because even if LeBron and AD are at their absolute best and everything clicks and you make it to the Western Conference Finals and you're playing Phoenix or you're playing Golden State or you're playing Utah, it's going to be close. And sure. a couple of errors like that will get you beat. And I just... I it, it it like I couldn't believe what I was watching when he did that again tonight. I couldn't well, believe it. To be fair to that like particular play, that was different. At least to me, like again, you don't want to miss a layup, you know, late game situation. But that was at least you know open floor transition. Like I think the the Brooklyn one was like more in a more in a half court kind of situation, right? He had a closeout opportunity. You're more in a half case situation. In transition, he has a full, you know, head of steam. He's already picked up momentum. He's already, you know, on the way there uh, to the basket. Like, that's a little different to me. Do you, you know what I mean by that? Like, I, I don't I don't put those two in the same. Still, I do, but the decision, the decision to attempt to dunk that basketball when, an, when a layup he would have absolutely made, to me, is the problem. Sure. Okay. So, like, so do you, you don't think he played well tonight, I guess, right? Like, just in, in a whole – because, like, to me, I thought he had a good – floor game like he had I think three turnovers with like the game again that that layup in transition is going to be plastered everywhere that's going to make a couple of ugly turnovers in the fourth too Raj sure I I understand he did it during that time but you know I thought the whole team kind of played bad I thought the wall was kind of being built on them that you can feel the Memphis avalanche coming right the Memphis physicality definitely picked up Memphis definitely figured out like hey we can win this game you know what I mean like they definitely Mm -hmm. found out once they took that lead to me the game was over but like for the most part and I thought Russ had a good floor game like he had a bunch of plays I have my notes here like one of them he went into the paint he slowed down they we spanned this like we spanned this LeBron Dwight, uh, you know, double uh, double screen pick and roll. Did you see that? Like we spanned that play a bunch of times. Where it was like LeBron and Dwight screening for Russ and it just made his decision making a little bit easier. You had uh, LeBron popping and Dwight rolling and he found Dwight on a few logs. He baited Adams a few times. Like I thought his floor game was fine tonight. And again, the numbers are what they are. You can kind of qualm with, you know, the impact of them. But 16, 12 and 10, like you're getting that out of your who's supposed to be your third, you know, third option here. Like, I think that's enough against a really good Memphis team. There were some bad turnovers for sure, not just from him, from Carmelo Anthony as well. There were just some bad passes that, you know, you're going to get with Russell Westbrook when you up his usage like this. But I think the missed layup is going to construe a lot of what I thought was good basketball from him tonight against a really good defensive Memphis team. Like, I thought he created shots. He had a bunch of these, like, in-air passes where he changed his mind mid-air and then switched to the corner on point to like Malik Monk or to other guys to Avery Bradley on one play when we were building our leads like I want to give him at least credit for that the late game stuff is what it is we we've talked about this ad nauseum like the late game stuff should be LeBron a guard screen pick and roll or LeBron AD pick and roll or you know LeBron making the decisions whether it's in the post um and all that but like I understand the missed layup was tough LeBron just hit a super jab step break rhythm jumper uh, to put us, I think, within three. And we yep. got the turnover. Russ, you know, in transition, couldn't decide if he was going to one hand slam it, which he's probably done 350 million times in his career. And he's like, oh, I just don't have that last little lift and uh, decide to finger roll it. And it missed uh, there. But I thought, you know, overall, do you do disagree with that, though, with his floor game, I guess, for the rest of the game? Take away that fourth quarter. I know you can't really do that in basketball. But, like, do you agree with the rest of the game in terms of just what you kind of want to see from him on a night-to-night basis in terms of decision-making? 
Yeah, well, Raj, you're right. He he had a lot of good moments tonight. But what did I tell you after the Brooklyn game? I told you he would do the same thing if he was 12 for 20. That's what I told you. This is the Russ experience. On Bro- against Brooklyn on Christmas Day, it was especially horrifying because he also was actively point shaving the entire game. Okay. <laughs> tonight, tonight was more of what I'm afraid of. Even if everything goes right, even if everything clicks, even if he's in that tertiary role behind LeBron and AD, even if he plays great all game, what is there that makes you think he won't try to turn it over and dunk in a late game possession like that in the playoffs? That's, that's where I'm coming from here. And, and this is where, like, again, a couple weeks ago, if I would have seen a tweet like what our friend Jason Maple said, I would have been like, come on, man, get out of here. But like the, the reason why I'm even entertaining it is that the reason why I'm even entertaining the idea that the Lakers need to get off of Russell Westbrook is this shit will get them beat. It will get them beat. And I don't and like even though it would be a catastrophe of a trade, because now you're turning KCP and Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell into salary yeah, you, filler. You I burn get the house that. down. You burn yeah, the house you're, down. you're absolutely right about that. But the, only re- but the only reason I'm even considering it is because this will get them beat. And I, and I don't, I don't see, I just don't see any way or anything that could happen over the course of the next few months that would change my fear of that type of outcome. Well, but what happened is what we've seen in some other, you know, late game when the team was healthy, right? We, we've seen it against, remember that you posted that video when we beat the Cavs, right? And that, you know, that win over the Cavs is actually looking a lot better and better as we move into the season. Uh, they just lost Rubio, Ricky, Ricky Rubio, which sucks. But uh, they're a really good team, and we beat them earlier in the year before they kind of built their momentum. But, you know, late game, what was that? That was just LeBron, you know, straight screen roll, straight pick and roll. He gets to decide where the ball goes. I believe Russ was in the dunker spot for a lot of that, or Russ was, you know, on the weak side, uh, kind of where, where it's tougher to help. He got Evan Mobley on switches, drive to the basket. Someone someone helps, he get he kicks it out. Like to me, that's more what we'll see. And I talked about this last night as well. Tempering Russ is just not the way you go with this. Like, you know, it, to me, it's just taking down his usage and possessions, which will naturally happen to me when the team gets healthy, when Anthony Davis is back. Like these type this type of stuff, you kind of have to just live with. Like the late game situation stuff is what it is i'd like to see him more as a screener i think playing him next to th we our closing lineup tonight was him next to tht i don't remember if avery bradley was on the floor as well but just it was hopefully tht and mellow tht yeah. mellow lebron and then uh russ and uh, bradley i think yeah yeah that's what i'm just one but i i think it was two non-shooters as well next to it where and mm-hmm. you talked about how memphis you know didn't close out to him in the corner i still would have liked to see um them swing it to russ have him kind of attack a defense that's in rotation i still think that's i still think that's a threat you know even late game even with his high leverage decision making i still think a a defense closing out to him is a threat it's how we got the austin reeves game winner as well but yeah man that late game stuff is kind of what it is like the bigger picture the process stuff tonight was stuff i want to see from him when the team's healthy in control slowing down in the in the paint you know law passes which stuff that he's good at that he's done at for his career the you know dunks turning into layups is him kind of facing mortality to me 
Uh, we'll see if how that works as the season goes. Uh, the, you don't want to see him miss layups. I, I I heard the Memphis broadcast today. I don't know if you were listening to the Memphis broadcast. Yes, I was. Yeah, they're they're really good. Um, they were talking about how Russ leads the league in layup attempts. I heard that. Um, yeah, attempts. No, I think it was layup. May it was it attempts or makes? They said lead the leagues in layups, so I don't remember if it was attempts or makes. But I mean, still lead the league in layups is something. You know, at the guard position, like I think that's something big. He had one play tonight where I think it was on the play where he. You know, I saw it against Brandon, Brandon Clark and then did a nice, you know, layup uh, kind of with Clark contesting. And they said that he leads the league in layup. So he's getting to the basket at least. And like, that's the process stuff I want to see. Late game stuff is what it is. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's tough. It's not going to be easy, especially with AD out for this long. Like, he's going to have late game possessions to kind of control high level situations. It's just, you kind of got to live with the. And I, you know, entertaining Russ trades to me is just so. Like, it, it makes no sense. Russ is not going anywhere. Like, the, he's just not. Like, entertaining Russ trades to me is – I get tweeted, and I'm sure you do too, in my DMs and even on the timeline. What do you think about this Russ trade? With Like, none of these are happening. Like, he's, <laughs> on, like he's on the team for this full season. Like, he just is. And we kind of have to accept that and try to maneuver around that. So I agree with you. I, I'm just saying, like, the reason why my brain even allows – like, the reason why I even allow myself to think in that direction is because of this recent stretch. But, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, you, I, I, I'm aware of all the good that he brings. Mm-hmm. Like, rim pressure has not been the issue with Russ this year. <laughs> sure. You know, like, ironically, jump shooting hasn't even been the issue with Russ this year, at least off the ball. I would say that he's – like, they're – still are way too many possessions every game where he'll get the inbounds pass, bring the ball up the floor, call for a ball screen and shoot a pull up jump shot with like 12 seconds on the shot clock. And I'm literally like, that should never ever be in our offense. You know, the, the bank I, shots but, are going in though. The, the little the bank corner shots. bank shots, those are going. Yes. But the, the, again, <laughs> it, it, I, I just, I, I think the Lakers are, are taking a gamble here. And it could pay off. You know, there were all these jokes before the season. Oh, LeBron's the goat if he gets Westbrook a ring. And it's, it's, it's true. Like, yes, there's a scenario where this works out, where you end up on the biggest stage and Russ actually does a good amount of mismatch, mismatch hunting. And, you know, he had a couple of really nice defensive sequences against John Morant at the end of the game. And like, again, if you could bottle that stuff up, it'd be amazing. Like if I could get, if I could say, Hey, like I can stick Russ on all the best point guards in the league and he's going to get awesome isolation defense and, and cause them to have frustrating nights, then man, this, this looks totally different, but you and I both know that's just not the case. Those sequences like the one against jaw there at the end of the game are the exception. They're not the, the normal. And so it's just, it, it is what it is. I'm with you. He's going to be around the rest of the season in all likelihood. It's just what what we've seen in the last week is a great example of what I described coming into this season as my fear with Russ, which had nothing to do with the fit, nothing to do with his perimeter shooting, everything to do with his basketball IQ or lack thereof, and and how I thought that that could be fatal in in the right situation. But I mean, we can move on from Russ now. I just I, I wanted to get that off my chest because well, like it's well, just last, it's been Russ. It's well, been well, Russ. Last last thing on on the Russ thing, like I think our perception of it, the, our whole perception kind of changes because the Lakers' record is what it is, right? We're two mm-hmm. games under five hundred, so every mistake, every turnover, every missed layup, you know, every you know ball screen that leads into like a layup that he thinks he gets fouled and the ball just goes over the rim, like all that is accentuated because. 
The Lakers are two games over 500, and I'm kind of thinking the LeBron at center lineups are killing. Like, they're destroying yeah. teams, right? And we're, like, plus 20, I think, in those lineups. Russ is on the floor for a lot of those as well. It's not just LeBron. LeBron and Russ and, you know, LeBron at center, Russ, uh, Russ in those lineups are doing well. And I just wonder if our perception of this team would be different. Like, if we started the season off, maybe DeAndre Jordan doesn't start 20-plus games, right? Maybe it's, you know, maybe we do go smaller earlier. Maybe, you know, we're able to play at a faster speed earlier. That kind of accentuates what the roster needs. And we're like 20 and uh, I can't really do math right now. But for like five, six games over 500, maybe like the the view of Russ is a little bit different if we're not at this pace. I just think every game now, everything's such a bigger deal because of where we are in the standing. So that's my last thing on this is that like I think if the lineups were a little bit better maybe earlier in the year, maybe if Ariza is out and we sub him with like, a wing instead of just going fully into the too big direction that we decided to go in. Maybe the view on him is a little different. The, the games are frustrating. The missed dunks, the missed layups are all super frustrating. But I just think like that would kind of change the perception and change all these, you know, trade scenarios that are, that come up, at, that come up after every game. So I'm, I would push back on that a little bit here because mm-hmm. wasn't the whole purpose for sacrificing the depth to have Russ be capable of carrying the team in stretches when, Asara is missing for one reason or another. And I mean, I'm the way the season gone has, has gone in terms of injuries mm-hmm. and luck is what it is. I actually uh, was thinking about this earlier today because there are a lot of like silver linings here because it yes. was clear. It was clear that the Lakers, when they signed Deandre Jordan and Dwight Howard, that they still had this like 2020 Lakers type of ideology for their, you know, their identity. And ironically, all of this cascade of injuries has forced them to play small. And now they're seeing all of this offensive success. And it's kind of they basically tripped and fallen on accident into the best version of themselves offensively. And we talked a lot about this in our last pod, so we won't go any further into it. But like five out basketball is just the way you succeed in the modern NBA. And Anthony Davis can play five out basketball. So this this system they tripped and fell in is good. Even a step further, Stanley Johnson, like Mm -hmm. we probably have no chance of getting Stanley Johnson on the roster. If we stay healthy, my guess is, uh, you know, Reese is in that role. They, if everything goes well, maybe they don't consider trading tail in at the deadline. and, And it's just kind of more or less this, there might be a moment in the playoffs where we're rocking a lineup with, LeBron, Ariza, and Stanley Johnson on the floor. And that just doesn't happen unless we get completely railroaded by COVID. So I'm with you in the, in the sense that there is a, a silver lining to some of the way that this went over the course of the beginning of the season. That said, like, this was the whole point of giving up a, a legit, like, fifth starter in KCP and a legit bench wing in Kyle Kuzma. And Montrezl Harrell would take him or leave him. But the, the point is, is that you were hoping, I think, in, I think, I think if cooler heads were available at the moment, they would have realized like, Hey, Russ really isn't that guy anymore. He's not the guy that can carry you for stretches like this. And so fundamentally when they made that decision, you know, it just, I just didn't, I, I, I that was why I disagreed with it in the moment. And I know LeBron loves, backup playmaking and that's something that he's always placed a great deal of value on but it just would have made more sense to do it with someone like Collison you know or trying to find somebody like that out there that can make plays that you didn't have to sacrifice your depth for 
And, and, and it is what it is because like you can even take it a step further to trade flexibility and the fact that they don't really have a lot of options this deadline aside from, you know, THT and none in hopes of pulling back somebody in that $20 million range. But it just, you know, if Russ had to your point, Raj, if Russ was the Russ that I think Rob Polinka and LeBron thought he would be, they wouldn't be 17 and 19. They'd be 20 and 15 or something because Russ would have been able to carry the weight when Anthony Davis went down or when LeBron went down. And so that that's where, that's where if I'm a Laker fan, I'm looking at this like, Hey guys, what the hell? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, relitigating the Russ trade is always tough, uh, but like, to me, like even if we're fully healthy, I guess, and we still go the two big lineup, we, we saw what that did for Russ. And you're right, Russ is not that guy. He's not the MVP guy. But I said, you know, five games into the season, this season is about, you know, acqui- acquiescing to Russ, making sure lineups are conductive to him. And I think we're starting to see at least a little bit of that. Um, like AD sure. going down, AD going down would have hurt this team anyway. Like to me, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know how many you know games that flips with Russ and LeBron missing as many times as he did. Right? LeBron missed, I think, two or three weeks. Like this team was built around those three being able to carry because that's what you do when you have a team full of minimum guys. Plus, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's kind of taken a step back due to situation, also confidence, all the stuff that we've kind of litigated, you know, back and forth. And our other non-minimum guy, Kendrick Nunn, hasn't played a single second in the regular yeah. season. So you're filled with minimum guys. Russ and AD in particular were supposed to take over the non-LeBron minutes. And I do think, you know, Russ, AD as a combo should have been able to probably win a couple more games than they did when LeBron was out. But that's neither here and there. So it's tough to kind of, again, these are all situational stuff that we can't really get into. The lineup stuff is always frustrating. League Monk probably should have been playing more earlier in the year. Um, all that stuff is into it, but we are starting to get to a good team. Like you can start to see a good team here. And I think that's the positive, I guess you can take, but you're right, man. It's, it's been rough. It's not been a clean season. You're when you're two games under 500, there's issues that are all around, but yeah, relitigating the rust trade is, is really tough for me, I guess, because I can, you can kind of see what they were going for. Even if we disagree, I think both of us were still kind of, you know, unsure about it uh when it happened but you kind of see what they're kind of going for and i think you're starting to see at least bits and pieces of that at media day man i keep going back to this we were sold this you know this ad at the five with wayne ellington and trevor ariza and then ariza's injury really and wayne i think was out as well for a little yeah, while both of them missed the start of the season <laughs> yeah and so instead of you know trying to find fast facil- uh, whatever familiar players like them to put in that lineup we just went with a totally other identity which was deandre jordan starting for so many games and taylor norton tucker who eventually got in the starting lineup but avery bradley essentially filling the shooter role when he's not essentially a shooter even though he's shooting well for the season but yeah i digress like that's kind of that's kind of where we went uh we put 20 games into that and so now we're kind of starting the uptick into what we're going to become it's going to take time but yeah tonight was frustrating though man that's a tonight was a a tough loss, but I don't even know where I was going with this anymore. You're uh, right. Let's, let's, yeah. So let's, let's finish with this. Let's finish with moving forward for the next month. How would you structure not, not every inch of the lineup, obviously, but the front court in particular, how would you structure that moving forward until Anthony Davis comes back in terms of the rotation? Like who would you have on the floor when? Yeah, so, I mean, I think some games Dwight is definitely going to start due to just big men, even though I don't think there are that many big men now in the league that would give LeBron too much issues. But I would like to stagger Dwight, Le- Dwight and LeBron at least until our wings come back. If Reeves 
Reeves can't really play center. But just until we get some more of those wings back, I would like to kind of stagger those two at least um, just to go away from the – because I feel like all this team is kind of missing is those few minutes where we play mellow at the five. And to me, those are just unsurvivable. We've seen that against Houston last night. We've seen it actually all season – Look at them. Look at the numbers when Melo's at the five. They just kind of burn points, and teams, you know, see that as a layup line to the rim. I don't know how to really structure the minutes 100% that way. Uh, Tht, I think coming off the bench is nice. Like I think that's help. You know, that helps the kind of the team flow when the game start. But oh yeah, uh, and he's he's completely gone mentally on the offensive end right now. Y- yeah, he's in a real struggle. He had a one on one against like Desmond Bain in transition, and absolutely had no clue what he wanted to do flipped up a like no look he almost put a hole in the backboard too remember (laughs) yeah no look i was like oh man talon is gone because that used to be a power you know through through guys and one finish and now it's like he's he's got the yips he's got yeah yeah for sure but yeah i would love to stagger kind of uh lebron and dwight just to take away some of those mellow at the five minutes um i know that kind of hurts russ because russ leads a lot of those second units so it kind of takes some space away from him but i thought russ and dwight man had some nice chemistry tonight like again i talked about that play we spammed where it was russ LeB- uh, lebron and D- dwight running like stagger screens for russ where he can kind of make decisions off that i thought that looked good and russ with some shooting he had some passes to shooters tonight in the corner that were nice but yeah, I, w- I would just stagger those two like that's all we can really do right now those those mellow at the five minutes are killing us and i thought it killed us tonight um and i thought even against houston we had a little bit of a lead we went to mellow at the five and teams just attack us relentlessly at that Free throw advantage again a lot for Memphis. I think it was like twenty five to eight. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would do. How about you, man? What would you, what would you kind of do with the forward big uh, minute rotation? Because I think DeAndre Jordan's definitely not he's playing. Out. Any, yeah, yeah, he's done, and that might lead to what I think is their next roster move. Honestly, like that's just kind of how I see this this going. But what, what would you kind of do with the center forward rotation? So the staggering Dwight and LeBron it should have been the biggest no brainer that this coaching staff has ever had to decide. That was definitely a confusing um, decision tonight to bring Dwight back into the rotation, but then to also have minutes with Dwight and LeBron off. That was genuinely confounding, you know, but I, I look at it like this. When you go small, I think having more big forwards on the floor becomes absolutely imperative. And, yeah. you know, I, I need to dig into the numbers after they all update but my guess is lineups that have had LeBron and Stanley Johnson on the floor have done well. And the reason why is because when you get a couple of those guys flying around, it kind of generates the same type of defensive disruption that one really big guy does. You know what I mean? So I, I, the, the way I look at it is that we, you have Dwight, who's kind of like the odd man out here in the front court in terms of his style. But then the rest of the three, four, five minutes have to be taken up by LeBron Ariza, Mello, and Austin Reeves. And so what I would, and, and Stanley Johnson. So what I would do is I would try to have two of the more athletic guys on the floor at all times. So never go with like Mello and Reeves, because if you have Mello and Reeves on the floor running the front court at the same time, then now your biggest players on the floor are just too slow and too small, you know? But like if you could always have an Ariza on the floor, a, a Stanley Johnson on the floor, a LeBron on the floor, you know, with those guys, then you have that baseline level of athleticism. So if you Mm -hmm. are going to force a Carmelo at the five lineup, which who knows, maybe that's the way they see it, then it needs to be Melo at the five alongside Ariza and Reeves, you know, two guys that are going to do a lot of the dirty work that Melo's unwilling to do. Two guys that will put their bodies on the line 
to get in front of guys barreling through the lane and things along those lines. But, you know, I've been talking a lot over the course of the last week that, you know, Austin Reeves and Trevor Reza are two best defensive forwards, not named LeBron and AD. So they're absolutely, you know, incredibly important to this team and just being functional. And, and that's why you've seen Stanley Johnson do so well is because he's really the only guy on the roster now, not named LeBron who can do that stuff because of COVID. So now with everybody coming back, we can get that same invigorating feel that we get from Stanley Johnson plugged into a lineup. We can get that all the time with combinations of Stanley and LeBron and combinations of Ariza and Reeves and mixing that up in a bunch of different ways. But mm-hmm. I think you, I think you got to lean in on, and this is going to be really hard for Frank because Frank is such a big believer in ball pressure and such a big believer in little quick guards that can chase guys over the top of screens. But this team now that LeBron is playing so much center needs to go a lean heavier into playing their bigger wings. And so I'll be really uh, curious to see if, if that ends up being the, the direction that they go in. Um, but that's all I have for tonight. Is there anything else you wanted to hit Roz before we call it? No, it's funny. You, you talked about the ball pressure, um, the ball pressure that Frank Vogel, like the sick joke about tonight, really, I thought, you know, they did a nice job on John Morant, at least in that first half. He just hit all his threes. But like Avery Bradley was chasing over the top. Dwight was moving his feet. They were forcing him into tough shots. That's what just makes tonight a, a tough loss. Uh, but hopefully, you know, they can pick it up. I think they play Portland on Friday. Um, and I think the schedule gets a little bit easier here. But yeah, that's a tough one. Man, uh, Jason Maples, I think, tweeted, this is rock bottom. I want to say this one's rock bottom. But uh, the OKC loss, losses felt, felt a little bit more rock bottom. Or the loss to Minnesota at home. That was actually, you know, in the building for that one felt awful as well. But yeah, this was a, a tough one. You can't really give up games uh, while you're two games under 500. But I saw good process stuff tonight, man. I think we're getting if, you know, if AD can come back and we get this type of rust, at least through the first three, three and a half quarters, that, that fourth quarter was rough. But I thought he played a good floor game, man. And I want to kind of keep that. Uh, I'm going to go rewatch the game. and Maybe I change my opinion when I go <laughs> re- when I go rewatch it. But just watching it live, I just, you know, in my notes, I had a bunch of like, oh, that was a nice, like, Russ was uh, pick and roll with LeBron and Russ uh, saw the pocket pass, but then he was in the air and found a guy in the corner or like he was driving and get a nice finish at the basket through contact. Like there was stuff tonight I thought that was good. So he made good plays. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The late game stuff is, is what it is, but I thought uh, he made some nice plays as the game went. All right, everybody. That's all we have for tonight. So just so you guys know, Raj is going to be out of town on Friday. So I'll be trying to find a guest. Maybe I'll reach out to Maples and see if he wants to join us. I know he needs to, uh, give me a hard time about my THT Drew Holiday comp. And then uh, I think he uh, also is one of the guys, captain of the Let's Trade Rust ship. So we'll try to reach out to him and see if we can't get him on. But uh, uh, we appreciate you guys hanging with us. This is going to be on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we'll also be on our podcast feed here in about 20 minutes. As always, we appreciate your support. And we will be back for the post game show on Friday. Thanks, everyone.